0: Hello, and welcome to the All Saints Podcast. I'm Hugh Cole. Thank you so much for joining us this week. A big thanks to all of you who've been listening and downloading each week. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please tell your friends about us and leave us a rating. You can also subscribe to the podcast by clicking subscribe in your app. As usual, we'll start with a sermon from the 10 a.m. service at All Saints Church Chevy Chase. Then we'll hear a sermon from the Family Table Service. This week, we have the pleasure of listening to our seminarian, Andrew Lazo, with a sermon for Sunday, October 18th, 2020, entitled Whose Image, Whose Inscription?
1: God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated if you're not already on a couch somewhere at home. <laughs> Good morning. My name, as is printed and announced everywhere, is Andrew Lazo. I'm your seminarian this year from the Virginia Theological Seminary. Um, My better half, uh, Kristen, is here with me. She's the one who uh, did the readings. I could sit and listen to her read the phone book, for goodness sakes. It's a joy to be with you. This is my second year in Virginia. I spent a summer at uh, the Church of the Redeemer in Sarasota, Florida. And you may remember Father Charleston Wilson, who has been here uh, before. And in fact, it was their recommendation that brought me here to this wonderful place. Kristen and I were delighted to find this parish last year, and even more delighted that we can serve this year with you. In homiletics class this week, my professor said that we should title our sermons, and as an obedient student, (laughs) I did. So this sermon is called Whose Image? Whose Inscription? Ever since I was a child, words fascinated me. I would spend endless hours reading, stories mostly, but dictionaries and encyclopedias too. I loved language. When I was 12, like most of you, I taught myself to read and write in runic, that ancient Germanic language, you know, for fun. (laughs) I got in trouble one Saturday and missed out on going to the state fair because instead of cleaning my room, I was reading a book. Well, actually I was rereading a book for the 15th time. And after several warnings, they left me behind. I was so glad. because I could finally finish my book in peace. It will shock you to find out that I grew up and spent 10 years teaching high school English. And at the end of every year I would give an award to my best student in each of my classes. Their prize? A dictionary. I was the cool teacher. (laughs) Literature, language, Through these things, God has guided me down every path and given me every good thing in my life. My wife, Kristen, and I met, this is a great story, after we contributed a chapter to a book together. She was already a prolific author, and knowing what I was about, I courted her by reading her poetry and texting her the funniest bits of Jane Austen novels. Date nights almost always include a trip to Barnes & Noble. And when we moved to seminary, we packed up 150 boxes of books. And that's after getting rid of hundreds of books before. The novelist and pastor Frederick Beekner claims of one character that words were the lines that moored him to the world. He could have been writing about me. So that's why whenever I prepare to preach, I start and finish by digging deeply into language. That's what I did today, and the results astounded me. I invite you to have the reading of the gospel from the gospel in front of you. And at that re- in that reading for the gospel for today, I have to warn you that Jesus would never qualify as a good dinner guest by modern standards. You know the three things that we should never talk about in polite company. Money, religion, and politics. Oh well. (laughs) That flies right out the window as soon as Jesus walks in the door. And you remember what happened. Jesus takes some money and says, Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and render unto God what is God's. See, Jesus isn't polite. Thank God for that. He's going to meddle with us. But he meddles into the very things that might keep us from God. And if we follow what the Lord told us to do, it might very well save our lives and save the world. So let me start by taking this famous saying and putting it into a larger context. The incidents in our Gospel reading from Matthew occur on Tuesday of Holy Week. So you remember, following the triumphal entry of Palm Sunday, Jesus turns the tables in in the temple on Holy Monday and then rails against the scribes and the Pharisees in his teaching. On this day, Holy Tuesday, the controversies only increase, and this passage that we have before us is the first of three challenges Jesus faces and answers with redemptive brilliance. Ironically, while he's doing that, talking about money, Judas is off somewhere striking a deal to betray him for 30 coins. We don't know much about Holy Wednesday, the calm before the great storm. Monday, Thursday, of course, is Passover, the Last Supper, the Garden of Gethsemane. And thanks be to God, we all know what happens on Good Friday and on Easter Sunday. And so the conflicts we find here in this passage set Jesus on the course to crucifixion. The stakes of this story are incredibly high. So what actually happens in this passage? Well, the Pharisees come to try to ensnare Jesus, and this situation is loaded with irony because they make true statements about him, but these are statements that they don't actually believe. They are hypocrites indeed. And even more ironically, they hand to him a coin whose very image and inscription contains idolatrous blasphemy. And using it, they try to trap the true Son of God. And his response is shocking. Just look at the questions he asks. Whose is this image and whose inscription Another word is engraving. He's talking about the temple tax coin. Well, the image is Caesar's. The inscription in Latin is a false claim to be divine. And there it sits in the hand of the actual Son of God. And then he asks two more crucial questions, both of them and of us today. First of all, what do we owe Caesar? The answer is clear, only that which belonged to Caesar in the first place, the very money he minted. Jesus has, had just told his disciples that no man can serve two masters, money and God. And this idolatrous coin came from the emperor, stamped with his image and inscription, so therefore, Jesus says, we should return it back to Caesar. But then comes the far more crucial question, one which I hope will ring in all of our ears all week long. How do we render or pay back to God what is God's? What exactly do we owe our Lord? Jesus asked this question another way. In whose image are we minted? What is our inscription? (laughs) Boy, we thought that he was meddling before. Now it's getting serious. To answer this, it helps to dig down into the language. Because in Genesis 1:26, God says, "'Let us make man in our image.'" And the Hebrew word there is the same word in Greek that Jesus uses about the image on the coin. We are God's image. And so we should render, return, pay back what is the debt of our whole lives, our very selves, which we owe to God. If that's the image, so what is this inscription? This is what blew me away. In Isaiah 49, 16, just a chapter after our reading for today, God says, See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hand. The Hebrew word, again, is the same root as the Greek word here in our gospel passage. Why should we render our very lives to God? Because we already belong to Him who loved us and spared not His Son. We love because He first loved us. First, last, good days and bad sins, and successes. Because God's love is so, for us is so great that He carved, stamped, inscribed our very lives on His nail-scarred hands, we should offer ourselves back to Him. He paid the price to cancel our debt and set us free. In light of this overwhelming love that God has for us, how might we then live this week and do it differently? Well, we'll find out in our gospel reading for next week our due responses to this love, but let me give you a hint without spoiling Matthew's sermon. It has to do with the two great commandments, loving God with our whole heart and loving our neighbor's. In light of these truths, let us remember all week this love that will not let us go. And like the Pharisees, let us be astounded and amazed. But be careful, because they left Jesus and went away, and we must not do that. Instead, let us cling closely this week to our Lord who clings so closely to us. Let him meddle with you because all of it, religion, politics, money, it all belongs to the Lord to begin with. And keep your bulletin handy for all of these readings that we have heard offer ways to render ourselves back unto God this week. We can take some time with Jesus who rescues us from the wrath that is coming as St. Paul reminds us in 1 Thessalonians. We can, with Isaiah, lift up our hearts and delight in the Lord who goes before us and calls us by name. And with the psalmist, let us sing to the Lord a new song and ascribe to the Lord the glory and strength due His name, declaring in so doing that no matter what happens in our nation over the coming weeks, And in our lives, the Lord is king among the nations. Let us give back to God everything that belongs to God. And most especially, let us render back ourselves to the one who made us in his image and inscribed us in his hands. Amen. 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 Amen.
0: And now, a children's homily from Father Matthew Kozlowski.
2: Well, hi, Father Matthew here with a children's homily for you today. And this week's theme is having hope in all circumstances. What is hope? Well, I have a riddle for you. What do these three things have in common? You ready? Number one, wearing a seatbelt. Number two, sitting in an air-conditioned room. Number three, wearing contact lenses. What do all those three things have in common? Seatbelt, air-conditioned room, contact lenses. Do you give up? All three of those things you don't notice while you're doing them, but they make a big difference. You get it? Seatbelt. You don't really notice you're wearing a seatbelt when you're wearing it. Air-conditioned room, you don't notice that you're in an air-conditioned room, just feels good. And grown-ups, when you wear contact lenses, you don't think about wearing them. They just help you see. But all three of those make a huge difference. Seatbelt saves your life. Air-conditioning keeps you cool. Contact lenses let you see straight. Well, brothers and sisters, Christian hope is a lot like that. When you truly have Christian hope, you carry it around with you at all times. And you might not even notice that you're carrying Christian hope. It's just making a huge difference in your life. You see, in the Bible, it talks about hope a lot different than the world talks about hope. In the world, people think of hope as being sort of like wishful thinking. Somebody might say, oh, I hope I get an ice cream cake for my birthday. Or I hope that my teacher is Mrs. So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so. That's not what the Bible means about hope. That's wishful thinking. But Christian hope in the Bible is certainty and being sure of God's promises. So having hope in something is something that you're sure is going to happen because of your faith. It's a bit like saying, I hope that the sun will rise tomorrow. I'm sure I have certain confidence that the sun will rise tomorrow. So having hope in God is being confident and sure of God's promises. I have hope that God loves me more than anything. I'm sure of it. I have hope that I will end up with Jesus Christ in heaven forever. I'm certain and sure of it. I have hope that God has a plan for my life. I'm certain and sure of that. Carrying around Christian hope is something you might not even notice, but it makes a big difference. Because if you've got that assurance of your eternal destination, It changes how you act. It changes how you smile. It changes how you talk. It changes how you see the world. might make you more compassionate toward other people. might make you more confident in the face of challenges that we all face. If you know that you're going to end up with Jesus Christ in heaven forever, it makes a big difference. So thanks be to God for Christian hope. Thanks be to God that you can carry it around with you at all times, not even noticing it, but being sure that it makes a big difference. Thanks be to God. Amen. We always have the prayers of the people at this service when we lift our voices to God in praise and thanksgiving and asking God for those things which we need. So let me turn it over to Barrett and Homer Moyer who have our prayers this week. Take it away.
3: Let us pray to the Lord, ending each prayer by saying, Amen, Lord have mercy.
4: May the ministers and leaders of our churches have wisdom and speak with one voice.
3: Amen, Amen. Lord
4: Lord, have have mercy. mercy.
3: May the leaders of our country rule with righteousness. Amen, Amen.
4: Lord Lord, have have mercy. mercy. May Jesus be our shield and defender in justice. Amen. Amen. Lord, Lord, have have mercy. mercy.
3: May the country have peace and the people be blessed. Amen. Amen. Lord,
4: Lord, have have mercy. mercy. May the flocks and the herds prosper and the fish abound in our lakes. Amen. Amen. Lord, Lord, have have mercy. mercy.
3: May the fields be fertile and the harvest plentiful. Amen. Amen.
4: Lord, Lord, have have mercy. mercy. May we and our enemies turn towards peace.
3: Amen. Amen. Lord have mercy. mercy. May those who have died rest in peace. Amen. Amen.
4: Lord Lord, have have mercy. mercy. May the love of the Father touch the lonely, the bereaved and the suffering. Amen. Amen.
3: Lord Lord, have have mercy.
4: mercy.
3: May the path of the world be swept of all dangers. Amen. Amen.
4: Lord, Lord have have mercy. mercy. May the men, women, and children of All Saints Church follow the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name.
3: Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
4: The Lord Lord of mercy mercy is is with with us. Amen. Thanks be to God.
2: Let's add one more prayer to that set of prayers. It's the Lord's Prayer. Jesus taught us this prayer. So bow your head like this or hold hands with the people that you're with and join me in saying...
0: Thank you again for listening to the All Saints podcast. To download future episodes automatically, you can subscribe and have the episodes delivered to you each week by going to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and clicking subscribe. And if you've liked the podcast so far, we would really appreciate it if you took a few minutes to give us a rating. As we continue to take steps towards being back together, please be safe, stay well, and God bless.